Please note there are some adult themes and strong language within this podcast that may not be suitable for everyone. I can sometimes push a bit too hard because I'm just like, I'm desperate for you to understand this. And it's like every day you're having to keep proving yourself. I think the last few months, I've definitely found myself just burning out. I feel like I've been doing this kind of thing since I was a kid, constantly trying to prove that I'm worth having around. Hello, thank you so much for choosing How Did We Get Here? The podcast where me, Claudia Winkleman, and my wonderful friend, clinical psychologist, Professor Tanya Byron, look at some of the difficulties that people face either themselves or with their families. Tanya talks to people in one-to-one sessions whilst I'm listening in from another room. In the break and at the end, I ask Tan a bit about her process and we explore the issues that are raised. This time, we meet James, who is 31, works in advertising, and has recently been diagnosed with anxiety and mild depression, and wonders what is behind it. Before lockdown, James went travelling on his own and says it's the first time in 15 years he's felt truly happy. He feels misunderstood and often doesn't trust people. I've I've never been in a proper long-term relationship. Do you think because of this? I think it's partly to yeah, do with this. I, I think that there, have, there have been things that have happened. It's definitely been tricky. What you're about to hear are the key parts of a one-time unscripted session with a real person. We follow up with our guests after the recording, passing on links and contacts, some of which you will find in the programme notes of this episode. Let's go and meet James. How are you? Lovely to meet you. Lovely to meet you. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for coming in. That's all right. Tell me why you're here. I've felt, shall we say, for 10 years, felt quite misunderstood. And it got to a point where anxiety was starting to kick into it. And so I went and spoke to some people, did a bit of therapy. And I've started to, I think, realise that it all comes from the core inner child in me. Yes. Because I think it's affecting my decisions as like, as the adult version of me now. And I want to try and find a way to shift that balance so, like, this 7 to 11-year-old me isn't having a little tantrum when I'm in meetings at work and actually the 31-year-old me can be like, no, no, we're going to do this I'm in a, a mature way. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Misunderstood how friends work? By everyone. It seems to me I've always had to prove in every area of my life who I actually am, what I can bring to the table... And people will go like, oh, you know, but you're like this. And I'm like, you haven't got a clue what's going on with me and who I am. And the more that I've spent time in the last maybe five or six years consciously trying to find show that, who you show are. it from a very young age, I've never fully felt like the real me has been able to be expressive and out there. And it's happened a couple of times in like the last year where I've been like shut down and I'm having to like overcompensate. Yes. Who are you? If you give me four adjectives to describe yourself and then tell me what people think yeah, you are. I'd say kind and caring is one thing. A very energetic person, someone with a very loud imagination. I'm going to go for a couple more. Do I'd it. say intelligent um, and incredibly empathetic. Yes. And I don't know if some of those actually come out. I know quite a few people think... I can be quite a cold individual. And I'm like, really? So those are how you would describe yourself. Kind, empathy, intelligent, enthusiastic. Yes. If there was somebody else here and I said, how would you describe James? What words would they use? I think some core close friends would get what I've just said. But I think other people would say he can 
be a bit too much. Um, this is quite tricky, actually, just trying to think about it. Tarn herself, who is a genius mm. and the Queen, she asked me to use this with one of my kids once, who was having quite a bad time at school. Yeah, yeah. And she said, why don't you ask them the three words they want to be thought of as and then ask them what they would be described as? And none of it, none of <laughs> yeah, it fits. Yeah, yeah. But it's quite interesting <laughs> in terms of people not understanding who you are, which probably just makes you want to shout louder, I'm this person, which might then just make them yeah. go down the route they were going down, maybe. I'm saying all this stuff that people f seem to have a different perception of me, but then I'm struggling to actually pinpoint what it is. Also, I think people think less about other people than we think they are. You know that feeling yeah. which is, they think this of me, probably hasn't occurred to them. They were just eating the burger and went home. Yeah. So that might also be part of the anxiety thing, which is, am I getting myself across? Whereas they're just having a fajita and having a nice time. I don't even trust that my parents understand who I am sometimes. So why am I even going to try and put myself out to these yeah. people? Yeah. I can't trust you to understand who I am. I can't trust you to respect and, should we say, look after that Nurture. element that I've just, yeah. yeah, that I've put in front of you. Goodbye. I'm not going to, yeah, I'm not going to trust you. And I think that I've created that channel in my mind to get there quite quickly that if I feel any sense of oh it's going to take effort to make you understand who like what what goes through my head I can't be bothered you're not worth my time so you're quite I don't mean this in a bad way mm. so I might you're you're quite judgmental I, or, or I, not judgmental yeah, but you, you would, give people a test yeah we'll go with judgmental it's always used in a negative way but it's not supposed to, like no I will I will find myself quietly analysing the person I'm speaking to, picking up on certain things, going, oh, they react in an interesting way there. I wonder where that's come from. What's that? Okay, why are they just being malicious now? Like, and I like to build up a picture of someone. Do you like people? Yes. I find people fascinating. Are you positive about most humans? Do you think most people are good or lots of people are bad? Yeah, I guess I struggle to trust people to do the right thing or, or act in the or right way. to know way. who you are. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. This inner child then? Yeah. Did something terrible happen to young James? I don't think something specifically terrible happened. Me and my parents sometimes have like big blow-ups. We did when I was a kid. And I always felt like they would get what they wanted to say out. Yeah. And then when I'd be like, I'm going to tell you why I've gone through what I've gone through to get here. And I can see my dad putting his hand up and going, I don't want to hear it. And it would set off like, I didn't know... I think it was anxiety. I didn't know at the time. It, bundles of energy in my head that I couldn't get. Because you're so frustrated. Yeah, I can't get these words out. I can, if you give me 15 seconds, I think I can explain to you and reduce all the tension. I'm not saying what I did was right, but I can explain how we yeah. got there. Then the argument would like escalate because now it, it wasn't about the original topic. It's about you're not listening to me. Yeah. I just want to be listened to. Then you've come to the right place. I'm yeah, very yeah, pleased because that's, right. that's, yeah. that's Tarn's speciality. Do you know what? It's really great to have a bloke. This was important to me. Yeah, tell me why. Because I, I just wanted to flag that. I think the whole male mental health conversation, we, we, we don't get very many men applying, more and more, yeah. actually. I would say, I've and I've never shied away from this, I'm quite an emotional person. Mm. And definitely in the last five or six years, like having done therapy myself, I'm realising, like how important it is to be able to talk about the things that are going on in your mind. Yes. With my 
friends who, who are women, we talk openly about this stuff in my therapy. And when I talk to guys, you can see at first, they, they actually slightly recoil and then they come a bit further forward. Like, I'm like, guys, it's okay to talk about this stuff. But I don't think guys talk about the actual things that are going on in their mind. It's sad though, isn't it? The kind of socialisation in terms of men and mental health, because we know that the suicide rates yes. annually are, you know, almost 80% male. So, you know, it's just it's just really great that you you want to do this because yeah, it is, yeah. you, you know, as a role model, as a man, it's really important. Okay, so it's interesting hearing the way Claude asks questions and I was fascinated by a couple of things that came out of that chat and I think you were as well. The first one where she asked you to describe yourself and then describe how others would see you. Yeah. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? You don't feel understood but you can't articulate what what isn't happening. I'm very all or nothing. I've learned this through therapy that I really go into something and it's a good thing and a bad thing. I know people can see that and sometimes look at it like it's a negative. My job in a, in a way as a clinician is to challenge mm. beliefs that, that people hold because it may, it may be that those beliefs in and of themselves could be part of the difficulties that they're struggling with. Question number one, very direct. Yeah. I don't always feel understood, you say. Yeah. Who does? That's a, that's a heavy question. Um, I, I guess my answer would have to be I don't know. So therefore, is being understood a, all the time a prerequisite to being content? Because I have to then feel like I've got to put energy into proving... Why? Do people not have a right to their opinion around something or their perception? Oh, they have a right to the opinion and perception. I just want to know that they, they've, they've totally got what I'm saying or, what, or who I am or... or uh, let me think about this. It's really stumped you and, and, and I really want, that's what I want to dig into mm. because I think my concern would be if you had tons more inner child type therapy you would spend a lot of time really understanding yeah. yourself which ps by the way i think you already do i think you really do in a very okay. impressive way it's about well if i know my inner self i need other people to understand my inner self in order for our interactions to work and that feels like quite a massive expectation in relationships. Y yes. Okay. Second, what could be f quite a blunt thing to say. Let's go for it. I was listening to you talking to Claude about your parents and I was thinking, I maybe could understand why at some point your father might say, James, enough. And what you perceive is a parent going, I'm not interested in who you are. But I'm just thinking maybe there's something about you that is quite challenging for people who interact with you because you have a very specific need for people to always understand your point of view and you struggle to tolerate the fact that maybe people see it differently, don't agree with you, and that's life. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say that it's correct that that's the case but I want to try and find a way to move past it so I can just be a bit more content with feeling like people understand me or just being happy that 
it's not a problem if they don't. Uh, to kind of just use an example is like in, in my line of work, um, work as a creative in advertising, we create ideas, we then have to share that with the client and it's a constant having to find soft ways to prove to these people that this is a good idea. I can sometimes push a bit too hard because I'm just like, I'm desperate for you to understand this. And it's like every day you're having to keep proving yourself. I think the last few months I've definitely found myself just burning out of like, God, I've been, I feel like I've been doing this kind of thing since I was a kid, constantly trying to prove that I'm worth having around. I've got friends who would say, well, we know that you're worth having around. Do you reassurance seek a lot from friends? But um, it's interesting when you say friends say, no, but we love having you around mm, and you're great. I- it doesn't strike a chord in my head sometimes. They say it and I'm like, isn't that what I want to hear? That you're absolutely right. And I think that's because it doesn't really matter what anyone will say. It'll never be enough. I, I, that's that's yeah. my sense. And I think it's because you're looking in the wrong direction for the ability to change the way you feel. And that's what I really want to talk to you about today. Okay. Is about how you can do this. Yeah. I'm trying to imagine you as a child because, you know, there's some incidents in your childhood that you, you still remember, don't you, of not as not being heard, not understood. Yeah. I must have been seven. We lived just outside Birmingham. Mm-hmm. I remember feeling very comfortable and content and happy. Mm-hmm. And then I remember there was some murmurings that we were looking at moving house mm-hmm. and I wasn't happy about this. And I remember getting back from school one day and the for sale sign had gone up above the house and I was so angry. I actually think I thumped my mum on her arm. I think I was annoyed that like my opinion didn't feel strong enough in this situation. You were seven. I was seven. Do you still resent them for that? I don't think so, because... But you well, still hold know. on to the memory. It's still there. You felt really let down. Felt massively let down. And I think you hold on to that feeling with your parents even to today, don't you? Yeah, that and then additions onto that through time whether it's been as I mentioned earlier the arguments where whether it's right or wrong I've felt that I'm not being totally understood it felt like it's stemmed from this okay I just want to pause because I'd really like to ask what does understanding me even mean I mean of course we're made up of all kinds of things we'll feel strongly about this we won't feel strongly about that but it's I think it's much more sketchy it means this whatever experience, whatever conversation, evokes huge anxiety in me. I don't know how to manage that anxiety. But if you could understand how I feel, you would speak to me differently or you would behave differently and then I would feel better and then everything would be fine. So I will feel soothed. Exactly. If you go, I hear you. But it's not just I hear you. I hear you, my seven-year-old child, And we won't move. And I will act on it. Yes. Goodness me. Thanks, Tan. Let's go back to the session. You were just saying recently in work and you almost burnt out because you felt you had to really argue your case, really argue your case. Mm. People didn't understand. I suppose I would say the common denominator is you. Mm. It's something about the way people respond to something in you when you start to communicate in a certain way. Where does the change need to happen? The change needs to happen, I'd say, within me, because that's how the world is. Yeah. I might not like bits of it or or certain people or get wound up by it and think, you know, why aren't you trying hard enough to understand or appreciate me? And I go, well, hang on, like, 
that ain't changing. So maybe you need to find a way to find a way to slot into it a little bit more. It's interesting when you articulate it like that, and that was really clearly articulated. Why aren't you trying to do more to understand me? There's something very childlike about that, isn't there? Yeah. It's almost like that part of you hasn't really matured, that emotional part of you. The ability to tolerate the fact that some people will get you, some people won't, and that's kind of okay. And the ability to tolerate that in relationships without the relationship suddenly feeling that it's not working. How are you with dating and relationships generally? I've, I've never been in a proper long-term relationship. Do you think because of this? I think it's partly to yeah, do with this. I, I think there, there, have, there have been things that have happened of course. that have then yeah. caused me to be like, I haven't felt what I believe like strong enough rewards for who I actually am. What do you mean strong enough rewards? What do you feel you need? Never had a long-term relationship and I feel like I should have done. I feel like for who I am and what I can offer, like I might sound arrogant when I say it, I'm like, I've, I feel like that should have happened by now. And with work, like, I feel like I should have achieved more for who I am. You're a very chilled guy. You know, you're sitting yeah. here now. You're not, I work with a lot of people and obviously we've done a lot of these podcasts and there are some people who sit there and you can see they're shaking mm. and they're anxious. You're not, you're very relaxed. But I think you have an internalised background noise of anxiety and self-doubt all the time. It's like the wallpaper to your life. Yeah, it feels like it is, it's always on. I mean, it must be exhausting in there. It is exhausting. Tell me about that. Because you're getting tearful now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I can find myself waking up in the morning for maybe 45 seconds, feeling like a breath of fresh air is just passing through my mind. And then it feels like, right... Let's put all the building in. blocks back on us yeah. before we go out the bedroom and we start our day. Yeah. And it, it's, I've been doing that. I reckon I've been doing that since I was like, consciously since I was 15. Why did you get tearful there? What did you connect with? That's so important. I just want to hug and just someone to just hold me and let me, let it all just melt away and I can just sit there in a comfortable feeling of just with, I don't know who this person is, but just kind of going... They've got me. I can just have a break from it. If I can get a sense of this part of you that is calmer, less introspective, more connected with me, I I, I see you. Should we just chill and watch TV for a bit? <laughs> I think that's the person you need to have a relationship with. Yeah, yeah. And that's what worries me. I think you go on dates, you overthink it. You overthink, oh, you overanalyze. One thing I'm going to try and help you think about in terms of onwards is thinking about the relationship between your anxiety and your need to be in control. And that control can extend across a number of areas, including you're trying to control the narrative so you can control that other, that other people see you and see mm. what you're thinking in the way that you are. It's impossible. You'll okay. never be happy. You've got to accept difference. You've got to accept the fact that there are some things you can't control. There are things you can't change. I think you expect that things aren't going to go the right way unless you're on top of it and managing it and yep. in control and in charge. And by the way, I need to really tell you about why I've thought this and this project. And I can sort of see why... As a child, your parents may have sometimes just said, shh. Yeah. 
when I quit my job at the end of last year, decided to go away. It was the first time that I'd gone away on my own. I was in Hawaii and I was with some people that I'd never met before and they were like, why don't we do this? And there was part of me going like, I don't know how it works. I, I, I don't know the Anxiety. process. Yeah, yeah, it kicked in. And I remember saying to myself, you're not going to die. Well done. Just go along with it. Well done, yeah. I mean, there are a few instances where I potentially could have died, but yeah, <laughs> like every time I could feel my back going up and getting a little bit tense, I go, you're not going to die. And it could become something amazing, which almost every time it did become something amazing because I just didn't feel like I was proving myself to anyone. But you were trying not to control the narrative. You were, yeah. you were trying not to control what they thought of you and you were trying not to control what was being done. You just went with the flow. Yeah. Your brain must have felt like so chilled. It, it was a absolute joy. One image in my head, we got back to the hostel and I remember just going up onto the, there's like a rooftopy bit. I remember just at that moment in time just feeling like I am in this moment now. I remember going, I'm sitting here, the sun is shining and everything feels right and good. And I was just me. Contentment came from something very different. And it wasn't about other people. It was about something different in you when you were away. What was it? All that was stripped away. The focus was just on me and who I am. You were living in the moment. And that's what I'm putting out to these people. And did you feel more understood? Yes. Did you feel that people were just chill and happy to be with you? I I just sit and people just come and hang out with me. But you got it because you presented yourself in a very different way. Look, I'm doing something now. No one can see it because we're doing a podcast, so I'll describe it. I've got a fist here in front of you, right? Yeah. Okay, so this fist represents you. It's your core personality. As I read it, I think you are a very bright, very thoughtful, very sensitive man. Getting back to here's the fist, here's your personality, and then here's this cloud that sits over it of intense anxiety that skews the perception of others of who you really are because the anxiety then brings you out in a way that isn't necessarily who you are, which is why you don't feel understood. Yeah. What I need to help you think about is how you learn to manage your inner child, because the reality is you're an adult. Yeah. How do you learn to do that for yourself? That's a big question. Well, that's the question we have to answer. So I think we should take a break and I'm going to ask you to do a task. I would like you to think of your brain at the moment and understand that when your anxious inner child is chatting, it is the anxious limbic areas of your brain. Wow, what does that mean? So the there are some areas of our brain that are part of our anxiety response. And when we are connected with those areas of our brain, our thinking becomes very skewed in an anxiety direction. We overthink, we catastrophize, we try and control. That's the very primitive, anxious parts of our brain. Mm -hmm. The bit of our brain that is developed in adulthood is the prefrontal cortex. This is the bit that you're with with me now, the thoughtful part of the brain. And that's your adult self. And I don't think that part of you gets a lot of room because the anxiety bits are chatting, 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 chatting. You agree? Yes, 100%. And so I would like you to write a letter to the seven-year-old boy trying to describe to him 
how you and he can join together to manage that anxiety and feel differently. And for your inspiration for that part of your letter, really think about how things were different when you were abroad. As soon as you become perfectionist and anxious about this task, take a deep breath, Yeah. look around the room, what can you see, what can you smell, what you can hear, ground yourself, and then go back to it. Okay. We've had lots of people on the show before and they have looked anxious. Either their legs shaking or uh, they're just slightly jumpy movements. They look nervous. Mm -hmm. James doesn't look anxious. Mm. And I'm just fascinated because he is. James has just significant levels of internalised anxiety. He's just got this inner anxious voice almost like a bully in his head that just churning in his head over and over and over again, trying to avoid feeling. And uh, when he contacts his, his feelings, you can see that he calms right down. A, that must be exhausting for him. He is exhausted. You can see he's exhausted. And B, he doesn't want to let the feelings in. So instead... He just internalises everything. It kind of kicks in. And the only time he really gets any respite is when he's asleep. Goodness me, poor guy. Uh, I was just wondering, when you were listening to that, Claude, do you think he'll feel that I'm another person who's not understanding him? That will be my last question to him. I mean, somebody told me very early on in my life, a girl called Jay, okay, she's listening, she said what other people think of you is none of your business. You try and be charming, you try and ask questions, you try and be lovely, and, of course, you make an effort to make people like you, but if they don't... You know, you haven't failed, so be it. Lots of people won't. Mm. I'm going to bring him in. Let's hear your yeah, letter. Um, so I wrote it as a letter, as if I'm speaking to the, the little guy. And so what I wrote was, so it's, hello, mate. Things feel a little big in that little mind of yours, don't they? And no one seems to quite get it or think of you. Dude, I get it. Mum and Dad moving to Oxfordshire was a shock. But dude, it's all okay. Mum and Dad do care for you. People care about you. I know you constantly think no one sees it, but they do. 100%. People know you're talented. You don't need to keep trying to prove it. And I've got you. Maybe like a big brother. I know we get wound up easily, but when we don't, the world feels a lot calmer and nicer. Remember when we went to Hawaii? We got through the scariness of a solo trip and just did it. How awesome was that? Let go, let the world do its thing. It will make us and you well happy. Chill, dude. We've got this. Your little mate, the dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's cute. I like him. I can imagine little James. He shouts very loud sometimes and it's so hard to be that big brother or to be that adult version mm. of yourself because it, you very quickly get caught up in the anxiety. So I think that's what we need to think about is how you achieve that because life isn't always a summer holiday or a nice trip abroad. No. We don't always have to be in control because the world will look after us. 
but sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes mm. really bad things happen. So it's also having the confidence to know that you would be able to find a way through it. The problem with anxiety, and I think you know this better than anyone, is anxiety causes us only to look at risk and threat. It doesn't enable us to look beyond that and think, we got this. Yeah. It's not about everyone else understanding you. It's about as soon as that feeling gets triggered in you and you can feel you're over-talking, over-worrying, that's you catching the little dude. Yeah. And it's something that in the past, like, you know, I've learned about practice certain techniques to try and break that thinking. It feels like it's going to be more effort to try and do that than to simply embrace this chaos which seems to be almost like addictive in a way such a such a bundle of energy that I think I've got almost like so used to it's just fascinating you said the addiction because before I met you having researched a little bit from you applying to be on the show I for some reason reminded myself of the serenity prayer do you know the serenity prayer I do not know I printed it out go already go in yeah 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 (laughs) okay so listen to this Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Quite like a bit more of that wisdom. Some people will recognise this because this is the the serenity prayer they use in the fellowship in AA and NA, Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous. So, you know, the huge worldwide support group for people with addiction issues. Yeah. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change is a really important part of how you learn to look after yourself. Because when we get anxious, we need to control. And if we're anxious about things that we can't really control, knowing whether this person is going to be a relationship that's going to move into something lifelong, Mm -hmm. knowing whether our colleague is really going to go with our creative pitch we cannot control other people but the problem is you try and do that yeah it's about just looking at your anxiety and going i don't have to control everything because that's actually actually that's not possible you're not going to die if it doesn't go that way decatastrophizing take on anxiety it's a really it's so important that we build that into our children as a resilience Mm. a part of resilience So the task is, how do you become your own hug, your own self-soothe? I think the first thing is recognising it when it happens. Agree. Facts. What what is actually happening? And what will that actually mean? I'm telling myself this is the the one and only thing that matters in the world. And the fact is, actually, there's going to be lots of opportunities like this that come along this one might not go where you want it to but it doesn't mean it's the only but one. that's cbt isn't it you've had cbt and and, you, and that's a really good cognitive strategy you're, you're using so in cognitive behavior therapy what we help people learn is ways in which you can talk back to that anxious voice yeah i think you're almost there to be honest but i think it's just completing the journey the reassuring bit slow down it's going to be okay just take a few breaths that that voice that you're talking about that we all need in ourselves you were saying to me earlier i need somebody to do that for me Mm -mm. yeah you need to do it for yourself 
So therefore, in order to do that, what are you highlighting that you need to be able to do when you feel yourself spinning out? Whether it's like pulling it back, everything back to me for a second. Yes, perfectly right. So in order to pull it back to you, the thing you need to learn is mindfulness. Do you remember, I don't know if you do, because I did a mini mindfulness thing with you before the break, but I didn't tell you I was doing it. That's cheeky. Oh, I'm so cheeky. <laughs> Everybody thinks Claude's the cheeky one. She's not. She's a sensible school prefect. I'm the cheeky That's one. That's fair. So if you can remember, I said, look, you might find this really hard. You might not. No, by the way, that letter was brilliant, so you didn't. But you might find this really hard. You might not know how to write it. But if you can feel yourself getting quite anxious trying to do it, just do these things. Take a moment, look around the room, take in the sounds, smells, bring yourself back to you, and then go again. It's called grounding. Yeah. I basically threw you a grounding technique. I think what you would benefit from, and I think you'd be really actually good at, but I think you'll find it very difficult to learn. But once you've learned it, I think you'll be really good at it, is meditative mindfulness. I'd really yeah. recommend you you put yourself on a course with a really good teacher who teaches people with racing, anxious brains mm. to find a different way to think in those moments. Quite a few years ago as a clinician, I was talking to all, you know, the people I work with, you know, I'd like to prescribe mindfulness training. I'd like to prescribe mindfulness. And I thought, you know what? I'm a bit of a hypocrite. I've... And I was sort of avoiding learning it because, you know, the first thing, empty your mind. I'm in my head. I'm going, what do you mean empty my mind? How, how what do you, empty what? I'm, my mind isn't empty, is it? Because you've told me to empty it. You, you've literally told me to put things in it by telling me not to. Exactly. I remember the day that mindfulness suddenly, I suddenly got it. And we can't feel it all the time. But in those moments where life gets busy and crowded and that inner voice just starts taking over or there's just a lot of stress and a lot of things you have to deal with, it is amazing to be able to take yourself somewhere else in your head to do what yeah. you said to yourself in that letter. We got this. Okay. You know, people with heads like yours are prescribed medication, right, mm -hmm. to help with anxiety. I'm preferring to prescribe to you mindfulness and meditation i want you to understand that by using that word i'm saying to you it is not in your best interests not to pursue it yeah. and make it work for you it's a repeat prescription absolutely yeah james it's been a real pleasure thank you very much tell me what you've Leaned. Like if you're leaving here and you're going to phone either your mum or a best mate and go, oh, I've met Tan and this is what I'm going to do, what's that list? Creating a pause for myself. Yeah. Recognising when it's going a bit, yeah. this is a bit intense. We're, go we're very much lost in the storm of that inner child. Finding the moments to pause and very much the meditation and the mindfulness yes. that needs to be focused on, which I think... You know, when I heard the word mindfulness, my initial response, and I imagine it's like a lot of people go, oh, it sounds a bit like airy-fairy, I can't be bothered with that. It sounds like hard work. But, yeah, but think. then, oh, definitely. When you detach your your perception of what the airy-fairiness is, and actually when we talked about how mindfulness was me being on that rooftop in Hawaii, yeah. and you attach a real-life scenario, you go, yes. oh, that's what it is. Yes. Oh, it's not the airy-fairy stuff. It's actually no. these wonderful things that happen. It's just 
and then it feels a bit more attainable and something that you relate to and you want to do yeah. more of. Because you've experienced it. So you yes. know that feeling. Yeah. You know how it makes you and you know how it makes other people around you react to you. Exactly. You came in here when we first met a while back. You said that you felt misunderstood. Do you feel that about us? Do you feel like you have been understood today? Yes. That's not a weird question. Yes, I do. Actually, a big smile came across my face when we talked earlier. I hadn't gone into all the things that I thought about myself and yet they were thrown my way and I was like, oh, yeah, that's that's me. Oh, yeah. I'm so happy someone someone knows that I'm like that and I think about myself like that too. And you're like, it felt very warm to get that. Yeah. Good luck and please let us know what happens. I will do. I don't know why I'm surprised by this, because I really shouldn't be. We've been great friends for 16 years. But every time it happens, because I'm going to be honest with you, when James first came in, I met him, I I didn't know what it was. I sort of thought that he was 30 and I didn't see anxiety at all. That was a shock because he's so relaxed. He was wearing a Hawaiian shirt. He looked chill. So I thought, that's not that. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it has something to do with when he moved house. I thought you were going down a certain route. And I have to say, I've just said goodbye to him. He skipped out of here. When At the end, when he realised it's just him. It's not other people misunderstanding him. It's not other people who are in the wrong. It's not other people who don't really get it. He just has to be super calm. And when he is, extraordinary things happen. How do you do that? You did it, Claude. Okay, no. no, Claudia. Don't make me sit on you. I had an enormous lunch. Claudia Ann Winkleman, this is my stern voice. Your instincts when you interview people are always really spot on. And it was so interesting, the chat you had with James before I first met him. The adjectives. It Yes, it was that. And it was just you sort of digging around this sort of self and other stuff, you, you, you picked up that there was this, exactly as you say, his idea that the, the whole of the world didn't understand him. But when you dug into it, you also identified with him very quickly that he couldn't really articulate how or why. James presents as a very kind of curious form of anxiety yeah. because he's not palpably anxious. That's exactly right. But his brain is constantly hypervigilant, constantly overactive, thinking. I mean, control, control, control. And when he is in a place where he can connect into himself in a very different way, which is basically disconnect from that part of his brain that is thinking, 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 he experiences his life and other people experience him in a way that is just... He's just more content. Yeah. So this isn't just asking someone to go and... And hum on a mat for five minutes. Exactly. It's about doing something that... That's why I use the word prescribe. Yeah. I'm saying this is going to have health benefits at a number of levels. You need to do it and you need to take it seriously. And just because it's difficult, it doesn't mean to say it won't be beneficial because it will. Gosh, you're clever. And you do it. Yeah, but I can do it now and it is utterly life-changing. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Shall we go and do something? Do you want Shall me to do... we? What now? a snack? Well, I have to have a snack. You know what I've brought us? What? A baguette. All right, baguette, then meditation. Done. 
And remember, do subscribe to this wherever you get your podcasts to receive free new episodes as soon as they come out. And please tell everyone, share this, rate and comment. We'd be ever so grateful. If you've been affected by any of the issues discussed in this episode, please see our programme notes for information about further support and advice. And if you're interested in taking part in future episodes of How Did We Get Here, please email briefly describing your issue to how at somethingelse.com. That's how at somethingelse.com without the G. Next time we meet Claire. He was lying. He wasn't him in that, like he's smiling in that picture, but behind that is this other life. This podcast was made by the team at Something Else. The sound and mix engineer is Josh Gibbs. The assistant producer is Grace Laker. The producer is Selena Ream. And the executive producer is Chris Skinner, with additional production from Steve Ackerman. Thank you so much for listening. Listening.